if you want to take your Bibles, go to the book of James. We're going to get started. And what we're doing at uh, Union Grove, we just started this series a couple weeks ago. We took a one-week break with our missionaries being here. And uh, this week, we're going to be going into verses 12 to 15 in the book of James. All right. Wonderful technology, right? If anybody knows how to get full screen, feel free to come on up. All right. So, uh, what we're looking at is a very, very practical book, which is the book of James. Now, tonight, what we're going to be doing, and actually we're going to be recording our service at 11 a.m. this morning. So we'll have a, a break. We'll come back at 11 a.m. And uh, if you're interested in staying, we'd love to have you. And we'll be preaching on the book of Joel for this evening. So that's what's going to take place. So we're going to be peeling God's word one passage at a time. So a little bit of review. I'm going to pop down one here, even if I'll let you keep working here. Um, but, 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 there we go. So we're peeling God's word. What we did two weeks ago was we were looking at a very core principle. So the, the, con the, the core concept of being single-minded. Uh, James, what he's saying is when we're, when we're looking at the concept in uh, verse uh, uh, is one through eight is not being double-minded, being single-minded, centered on God, knowing exactly uh, uh, what God wants us to do and not faltering from that. So that is the key principle. When we're looking through this, not being double-minded, but being single-minded, which is extremely important. The next thing we looked at a couple of weeks ago was not only don't be double-minded, but we looked at the different, if you will, uh, uh, levels of individuals that exists from a, if you will, a financial situation. And God was saying, listen, don't look down on people because they don't have finances. Don't look down on them because maybe they're not uh, the elite and so forth. But God made it very clear that every single person, no matter what their financial status, no what their financial background, is extremely important. All right, so I can tell you what I'm going to do because I know that's distracting. I'm going to step over to the side here <laughs> and uh, let them work. There we go. So I'm going to take my notes because I, I always know some one of these days the computers are going to go down and I better have my notes on, on the side just in case. So and we're, that's today. So here's where we're at. We're going to go in and we're going to look at how to overcome temptations. Folks, every single one of us, no matter who we are, we face severe, horrific temptations at times. There's people that call me and have called me actually this week, and it's, it's nothing new. It happens every single week where folks have been going through horrific, horrible times, and it's usually because something has happened that has tempted them, and they've not been able to overcome the temptations. And it's hard, and they're struggling, and they've really, by the time they get to calling me, it's usually they're in big trouble. Something horrific has happened. Their lives are in jeopardy. Something is wrong. Someone is uh, potentially in a, literally, a life-threatening situation because of what's taken place. Now, folks, when we're talking about temptations, there's so many different things that can happen. Sometimes we're tempted not to do things we should. Sometimes we're tempted to do things that we know we shouldn't do. 
And that's when I get the phone calls and people come and they're, our lives are really hurting. They're in jeopardy. Uh, uh, maybe it's, it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe, and, I, and it's a constant issue with immorality and so forth and the temptations that happen there. But there's so many other things that we sometimes close our minds to when it comes to the temptations that come our way. If you take your Bibles, let's go to James chapter 1. I'm going to take you to uh, verses 12 to 15. Pop this up a bit. All right, let's read it together. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it brings birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Let's pray. Father, I pray now as we open up the only book you've ever given to us, the precious word of God, that Lord God, you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Father, there's some here that may be going through horrific temptations as we speak. They're struggling, they're hurting, and they really don't know where the end is going to result. So Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, there may be some watching, some here this morning that aren't saved. They don't know for sure if they die, they go to heaven. Would you please touch their hearts and their lives and draw them to yourself. For Christians that are struggling right now, dear God, I ask in, in Jesus' name that you would touch them, that you would help them find the victory as only you can do. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you, uh, uh, on our outline, we're going to basically go to the first part of Enduring Temptations, James chapter 1 and verse 12, and it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved. We're going to stop there. How do we know when God has approved what we're doing. What God is saying here in the first part of the verse, blessed is the person, man or woman, young people, senior citizen, teenager, whoever it might be. God's saying blessed is the person who endures temptation for when he is approved. Well, what does he mean by approved? And how do we know when God actually approves what we're doing? Let's go and uh, take a look at the place where you actually will find whether you've been approved or not. Have you ever heard of the Bema Seat? The Bema Seat in basically Grecian times, Roman times, back in the ancient times, people would come to the Olympics. Now all of us are familiar with the Olympics, right? Some of you get really involved in them, you love to watch the sports and so forth. Well, games have been going on forever. And in the ancient times, the, the Romans, the Greeks, they would come before, if you will, the magistrate, the person who was, uh, if you will, the high person in the city, and they would be awarded their, if you will, crowns. But they weren't crowns back in ancient days. There we go. God bless our technical people. Uh, thank you, folks. So I'm glad they got it up because I got some really good pictures I want you to see here. There we go. I have to wake it up. All right. So uh, going to our, don't do that now. <laughs> Welcome. It's very slow. 
one at a time. All right, well, I'm going to get it set up here. I'm sorry for the delay. Come on, you can do it. All right, let's start here. So we've basically gone through this first part. When we're looking at temptations and the things that come through, here's a couple of questions that maybe you can ask yourself. Number one, have you ever done a self-evaluation? Now, my wife likes to kid me because every time we talk about uh, evaluating ourselves, we always come up with this cute little saying, self-evaluations are always flattering, right? Uh, we look at ourselves and we try to see ourselves in the best light possible. And that's normal human behavior. But let's be honest today, and of course, this you don't have to talk back. You don't have to confess your sins to me ever. Uh, that's taken care of with the Lord. And we ask the question, do you struggle overcoming temptations? All right? So start to think through, what is the particular temptation you struggle with? Sometimes it's a heavy-duty type item like we just talked. Maybe it's an extreme hate for, hatred for somebody. Maybe it's uh, not being able to forgive somebody. Maybe it's the issue of being tempted to use, do go into substance abuse. Or maybe it's uh, uh, the, the lust issue, which is very common today, especially with all the uh, things available on the Internet. So these things are constant problems, and we all have to deal with them. How about have you ever given up trying to overcome a sinful habit? I mean, you just tried and tried and tried, and you can't get rid of it. You're working, and you're looking to God, and it's like, dear God, I've been praying about this. I've tried to discipline myself, but you just keep falling down. And many times, we keep it to ourselves, right? We don't even want to admit we got a problem, and it's hard. And sometimes it's like, I'm tired of trying, and you just give up. Do you remember the last time the Lord gave you victory over a temptation? Say, Brother Rich, I was dealing with whatever that particular temptation is, and bless God, it took a while. I struggled, but I finally got victory, and God gave me the help over it. Have you been there? All right, so let's read the text together once again. Blesses a man who endures temptation, for when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So what we're doing this morning, we're going to lovingly and honestly, and folks, I like to say, Union Grove Baptist Church is the church God's love is building. Do you like that? Union Grove Baptist Church, the church God's love is building. Now, you say, uh, that sounds like you're a compromiser and you don't have any convictions and it's all about love. Well, folks, we do have convictions. We do uh, know that God is just. We do know that he, is, uh, that he punishes at times. We do know that there is a place called hell, so we're not denying any of those things. But the, here's what happens so many times to so many people that come to church. And that's why I want Union Grove Baptist Church to be different, and I think you do too from what I've heard over the last several months that I've been here. Folks, there's so many people that are hurting. If we went through every single person, we could all come up with the things that have just absolutely devastated our lives. Some of you have gone through horrific things that have just absolutely torn you to pieces. And you're like, does anybody really care? Is there a God who really cares? Is, is there a pastor who really cares? Is there a congregation who really cares? Is this a place I can come and honestly find the love of God? And I say yes. 
That's what's missing, folks. They that sow in tears shall reap with joy. And folks, this is the church God must build through his love. Amen? It, it's true. I don't, I don't, I'm not an actor. This is the real deal, folks. This is how much I care. And it's how much I know. And I'm just looking at some of the faces right now. And I know some of the pain they've been through. And it's like it's got to stop. Can't happen any longer. People need to be loved. And that's how this church is going to grow. Because when we go out and we reach those that are struggling and they're hurting and they've gone through catastrophic things and it's like, Lord, they need some help. And that's what we're going to do. That's what Union Grove Baptist is going to do. Well, this morning we're going to lovingly and honestly examine James' instruction regarding the origin and the overcoming of temptations. So let's go back to the word, the verse one more time. Helps if I have this. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved. Now, I just I introduced it right before we got the slides up. Thank God for that. Uh, I love the slides. They help us go through it, and that's why we use the technology. It helps us focus in on the Word of God, for we must all appear, every single one of us, Christian. This is not talking about the unsaved. This is talking about Christians. We must, Christian, all appear before the judgment, which is known, the judgment, the word judgment is bema, seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, folks, there is a judgment for Christians. You say, wait a minute, I thought after I trusted Jesus Christ as my first answer, but it's about it. The answer is you are absolutely right. But God says there's going to be an Olympic gathering of all God's people in heaven. After the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 54, we're all going to be up in heaven, all God's people, right after the rapture. And God says when we get together in heaven, we're going to have basically an Olympic ceremony. It's the same concept. That's why he's using the term Bema seat. So what happens at the Bema seat? Well, let's see what, what God lays out in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about the rewards you are going to get. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Paul saying, Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters, he's talking about giving out the gospel to others, are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, Christians. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master building, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heeds how he builds on it. All right, so here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, I've laid down the foundation, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. You understand the gospel. You've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And if you haven't, stick around. We'll get to that in a few moments. If you know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you died right now that you go to heaven, you've trusted Christ, you are one of God's children. And he's speaking to you in this passage. Now, here's what he says, verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation 
with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear for the day. What day? The Bema Seat Judgment Day. The day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So now let's, let's not get, get confused here. We're not talking about going to hell here, the fire. We're talking about that the works that you've done, the good things that you've done to serve the Lord with the right motive. In other words, Sunday school teachers, musicians, going out into uh, the mission field, reaching folks for Christ, sharing the gospel, uh, all the many, many different things each and every one of us do as God's people. He looks at those things and he says, you know what? Here's what some of you folks have done. You have served me well. You have gone out there. You have, you have done. I've gifted you. And by the way, I can't get into this in depth, but you know that if you're a Christian, you have a gift. Every single person in this room, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. You do. We can't go through all of them right now, but you do. And they're all essential to make Union Grove Baptist Church work. That's why when people say, well, uh, um, uh, I like to go to a lot of different churches. You know, every time, uh, if you're part of our body and you walk away for even a Sunday or two Sundays, part of our body's missing. Now, I'm not against taking vacations. I'm all for it. You need to go out. You need to have fun once in a while. You need to be with your families. But folks, when that happens, a piece of our body's missing for a week or two. And God needs the entire body because we all have specific things that we do here. I get, the, I get the nice job. I get to come up here and preach, right? That's great. I love it. But others, you do things that working in the nursery, working in Sunday school, working in Awana, working in TNT, uh, working with uh, rooted teens, working with so many things. And God says this. He says, each one's work will become clear. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And we're going to look at those rewards in just a minute. If anyone's work is burned, catch this now because this defines it, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be what? Saved. He's talking to Christians, yet so as through fire. So here's basically it. Many of you have heard messages on this particular concept. What God is saying is after the rapture of the church, when we're up in heaven, we're going to meet at the Bema seat. And here's basically what's going to take place. And I'm going to skip ahead here. What you see on the screen is exactly what God's talking about. We'll be standing before him, just in, and what is he going to do? Just like in the back old ancient days, now you see the wreath that he's about ready to put on uh, the, the victor. That is known as the crown. So they put the crown in, in our vernacular, uh, of course, it would be the wreath. They would put the wreath around this individual, and they were awarded that uh, prestigious reward for having one. Same thing that we see in Olympics today. You got one of uh, uh, your Olympic champions up there, right? But that's the exact concept. God's saying when we get to heaven, I've got some things for those who, number one, can overcome temptations. So let's go back and take a look at this. So what are the rewards? First of all, when we are approved by God, we're talking about going to the Bema seat of Christ up in heaven and standing before Jesus. And all of a sudden he says, hey, um, and I'll use my own name. Now well, let's use my wife's. He says, hey, Valerie, come on up here. He said, you know, you, you've been serving a lot. You've gave a lot. You've done a lot. And he starts to go through the things, and he says, here's, the, here's what you've earned. Here's the crowns that I have for you. 
And that's for every single one of you. Every single one that's trusted Christ. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he, was, when he is approved, what will he get? The crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, what is he talking about? He's talking about for those who have overcome temptations, for those of you that have been solid in your faith, for those of you that have served well, God has a crown of life for you. You say, that's, that's pretty interesting, a crown of life. And if we went to another passage, which we're not going to go through right now, but you know what the purpose of God giving these crowns to us is going to be? After we stand up there, the wood, hay, stubble, it's going to be burned up. All the bad things we've done, all the works that we've done with wrong motives, whew, all burned up. But for those things that we've done and we've served God properly, he has a crown of life for us. And that's beautiful. What else does he have? So for those note takers, we're going to go through five different crowns. The first one is the crown of life, James chapter 1 and verse 12. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25, and it talks about the incorruptible crown. Here's the verse, verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize, you see how Paul uses the athletic concept? Everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Here's what God's saying. It says, you know, when the athletes get up and they work and they train and uh, they go out to the, the fields and, and they go out there and give everything they've got, and then when they come back, somebody's a winner. And the winner comes up before uh, the, the, the Roman person, if you will, or the Grecian person, if you will, back in the, in the ancient times, and they stand up. And folks, you see, I'm, I'm raised up, right? I've been to uh, Rome, and I've been to other places in uh, um, basically Asia, where they also had some of these Roman bema seats. It's basically like a, a, a stone area, and there's a raised up stone, just like I'm standing up right here, except it would be stone. And on the stone, that would be known as the bema seat, or the judgment seat. And, and the magistrate, uh, or the, the leader, the, the potentate, would look down and he'd say, here's your crown. Folks, can you imagine standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, at the true bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. And there he are in the works. The bad things are gone, but he says, listen, come on up here. Come on up here. I got an incorruptible crown for you. We don't work for a perishable one. We don't work for temporary crowns, folks. We work for eternal crowns. You say, how do we do that? It's serving the Lord. It's walking with God. It's praying. It's seeking his face. It's loving people. It's helping people. It's telling others the greatest news ever given to man, that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. It's doing the best way we can, the best way we know how under God's help to keep a life that's pure and clean and one that's honoring to him. Folks, can you imagine standing before that judgment seat for that incorruptible crown? How about the crown of righteousness, which is basically uh, loving and looking forward to the return of Christ? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous dud will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. Folks, we're going through tough times. I'm glad nobody said amen. <laughs> nobody likes going through tough times. But it is. We have people that are still, and, and we've got a, I mean, our, our whole church family is not here yet. Many are still at home because of the coronavirus issues. Many people are still very concerned about it. 
Now, I know there's, and I'm not going to get into politics. It's the last thing I want to do. But, folks, I know two people that have died from corona. One was a very, very good friend. Not, they've not been in this building, by the way, when, uh, when they succumbed to it. Never been inside at that point. But, folks, it, it still is real. It's still happening, and those with compromised systems, that's why they're not here yet. And I understand that, and God bless them. Many of you have said, listen, I, I think we're good, we're strong, and we're here. But, folks, it's, it's, it's weird times for us. It's unprecedented times for us. But here's one thing we can all agree on, I hope. And God says, listen, Christian, whether you're watching on video with us this morning or whether you're here today, are you looking forward to the appearance of Jesus Christ? Are you looking and waiting to hear 1 Thessalonians 4, which says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen? That you can say amen to. <laughs> Folks, we're looking forward to it. And God says this. He says, listen, I actually have a crown. I have a crown of righteousness for those who are looking forward to the coming back of Jesus Christ. Folks, I, I, and, I, and I've said this before here. I know uh, we've got some young people, and I've got uh, one of my, uh, maybe like my son here, is looking forward to getting married, uh, um, maybe not the too distant future. And he's looking forward to it. And there's a lot of young people, and it's like, wow, you know, can I, can I just get married? Can I spend some time enjoying my, my new spouse? And it's like, ah, you're like, I want Jesus to come, but maybe just give me a little time. <laughs> and here's what, here's what we need to do, folks. Folks, knowing what's going on, knowing the things that are happening, of course, it's only going to get worse. If we think the world's going to get better, you're mistaken. The Bible makes it very clear in uh, 2 Timothy 3 and 4 that the world isn't going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Are we looking forward to Jesus coming? Are you looking forward to seeing the Savior in the sky? Are you looking forward to all of a sudden, bam, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, being with him? And God says, I have a reward. It's called the crown of righteousness for those who are saying, I'm looking forward to Jesus. We've got a couple of visitors here today, good friends. And uh, they, like myself, really enjoy prophecy. And we have some friends that really enjoy prophecy. And... I'm going to give her a name. She might even be watching today. Her name's Jenny. Jenny is just absolutely every single thing, every single email, every single text. She always puts in trumpets and clouds and looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Folks, she's got, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, she's got a crown of righteousness waiting for her. Are you looking forward to the coming back of Jesus. What's the next one? Well, here's the, uh, for the ones who basically shepherd God's flock, there's another crown. The elders, basically elders is the same concept as pastors and Peter, who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. He's talking to uh, those who are leaders in the church now. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. 
Now, folks, I'm aware of at least three individuals in this church today. They may not be here today because a few are on vacation, but I know at least two of the three are here this morning. There are five individuals that I'm aware of. Nope, there's actually three here today. There's five individuals right now that want to go into the pastorate. Folks, did you hear what I just said? We're not a huge church yet. We have five men that want to be pastors in this room, part of the church. And I say, God bless you, men. God bless those who want to give their lives to shepherding others, to helping others, to serving others. Folks, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's tough sometimes. It's hard sometimes. But oh my goodness, God says, listen, I have a crown of glory for you. So if you're interested, look at there's young men in the audience right now. There's people watching me on live stream right now. And you're thinking, does God want me in the ministry? Does God want, has God called you to pastor people? Has God called you to shepherd a flock? Has God called you to take those that are struggling, take those that are hurting? And has God put a love in your heart to teach the word of God and to help them and to help them grow spiritually? And God says, listen, I've got a crown of glory that will not fade away for you folks. It's a special giftedness. What do you think? It's a great thing. How about the last one? And folks, this is for all of us, big time. The crown of rejoicing. This is the fifth crown, the crown of rejoicing. So what do we have so far? We have the crown of life, the incorruptible crown, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, and now finally the crown of rejoicing. And folks, if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ, I hope every single one of you earns this soul winner's crown. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, for what is our hope, Christian? or joy, or a crown of rejoicing. Is it not even you, Christian, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. What's he saying? Paul's saying, listen, I've been out there. I've been going into the mission field. I've been reaching folks for Jesus Christ. And you people, he's basically looking out at his crowd right now. He's looking at those that he's had the privilege of showing uh, the gospel and telling the gospel and giving the gospel. And people responded and they came to Jesus Christ. They had their sins forgiven. Their life was changed. And Paul says, what is my glory and joy? And he looks out at the people and he says, there you are. And he says, oh my goodness, how much I love you. How much I care about you. And he says, you're my crown, you're my glory. You're the folks that I've had the privilege. God used me. I just planted I watered, but God brings forth the increase. And Paul says, I love you folks so much. And there is a crown of glory, a crown of rejoicing, if you will. Have you ever led anybody to Jesus Christ? Has God ever used you in that blessed time when you sat down with somebody or you talked with them on the phone or you wrote them a card or a letter and all of a sudden God began to use whatever you did to touch the heart of that person? And all of a sudden, maybe you're, uh, you have the privilege of uh, praying with that person, and you, and you say something simple like this. Say, are you ready to trust Christ as your Savior? And you're waiting for that answer, right? Been there, done that hundreds of times. And the person all of a sudden says, I'm ready. I'm ready to trust Christ. And all of a sudden you say, well, it, 
are you sure you know what the gospel is? You, you, and and I, I sometimes, I don't even want to believe it. It's like too good to be true, right? And you say, listen, uh, you understand that Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you understand that? And he said, yeah, we understand that. And I said, you understand in Romans 6.23 that it says, for the wages of our sin is death. Uh, you understand that because we've sinned, if we got what we deserve, we burn forever in an awful place called hell. You understand that in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it says, But the fearful and unbelieving and sorcerers and whoremongers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. That is the second death. That is hell. Do you understand that penalty? I understand that. But do you understand that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, went to that cross and died on it? Do you understand that? Do you understand that? It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates he freely gave his love to us in this and that while Christ, while we were against Christ, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you believe that Jesus came down from heaven and died on that cross? And you say, I do. I understand that. And you say, well, well that's great. Now, now I know we're getting down to the tough one. We all understand the facts, but are you ready to accept his free gift and stop working for it, trying to earn it yourself? Are you ready to reach out and grab that gift and pull it in and take it for yourself? Are you ready to accept Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. And will you pull that free gift and receive Jesus today? And there they are, and you're sitting there with them, and, and you're waiting for the big answer. Are they going to trust Christ today or not? And I say, yes, I'm ready. I want to trust Christ. And maybe a little tear comes down their face. Maybe they're crying uncontrollably, and maybe they're as sturdy as a soldier. But they say, I'm ready to trust Christ. And there you are, and you say, can I lead you in a word of prayer as we tell the Lord what you're doing in your heart? And there they bow their heads, and they trust Jesus. And folks, I've seen it so many times, and it's the most glorious thing on earth to lead someone to Jesus. Have you ever done that? You say, well, I've given out a few tracks. That's great. I've, I've, you know, I've invited some folks to church. That's great, and God bless you for doing it. But folks, as we grow together, as we learn how to share the gospel with others, and we're going to have some sessions coming up. Justin uh, Naminsky, probably one of the best soul winners I know in this church right now. There may be others, but at least I, I know what he does, and such a, a, a tremendous, tremendous guy witnesses to everybody he can, and I'm going to have him share on a Sunday evening exactly what he does and is, uh, how he wins folks to Christ. And again, it's not us who wins, wins folks, if you will. We plant, we water. Who has to bring forth the increase? Lord Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit. All right, let's move on. God does not tempt you. James chapter 1, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, neither tempteth he any man. He does not tempt people. You say, well, wait a minute, uh, I'm thinking God, God's uh, after me, God, God's trying to punish me, God's giving me a hard time, God, God is uh, pushing me to the nth degree, testing and tempting me. And God says, hold on folks, not true. God makes it very clear. He is not the one who tempts you. The next part of the verse, it's a little harsh. Are you ready? God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Oh boy, you know what he's saying here? 
You know who tempts you? You tempt you. Like, what do you mean? I tempt me. I, I hate this stuff. I hate being tempted. And God says, look in the mirror. You want to know who's tempting you? You are. You say, that doesn't make any sense. Here's how it works. If you look at the words on the screen right now, all of a sudden the Greek words, when you bring out the meaning in them, all of a sudden you start to understand what he's saying here. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away. Basically, have you ever uh, seen a big animal, right? And you're baiting the animal. And you baited the animal, and bam, you kill that, sorry, you, <laughs> you, you kill the animal, and you begin to drag that animal away. Now, I know we got some hunters in here. And you get that big old deer or elk or bear. Oh, that hurts my feelings. Anyway, uh, you, kill the, you kill the animal, and you grab them, and you begin to drag them away. That's exactly what he's saying. When we're baited and killed by whatever temptation is, and then we begin to get dragged away by his own desires. Your own desires, folks, that's where it falls apart. Desires basically means our lusts, our affections. We look at things, we center on things, we, our eye gate opens up. By the way, do you remember a couple named Adam and Eve? Satan comes up to her and says, look at that beautiful fruit. It's going to make you wise. And he begins to put the temptation in the way. And all of a sudden, Eve's mind begins to say, wow, that's cool, that's great, that's wonderful. Next thing you know, eating the forbidden fruit right along with Adam, right? So your, your, your lusts and your affections, you see things, you want things, and then you're enticed. The concept here is just like taking a fishing hook, or some of you do fishing, and you get just the right lure on it. Phew, you throw it out there, and all of a sudden you start to reel that fish line in, and you've been baited and hooked. That's exactly what he's saying here. Kind of a silly picture, but <laughs> look at that big old hog. <laughs> So there you go. you've got the, the DNR or a nice police person there, and they're baiting that big old piggy, right? <laughs> Come on, and they're going to bait that pig, and they're going to put it in a cage, and they're going to take it away. And God says that's just, you, what you're looking at right there is sin. The same concept, God says, is exactly what causes temptation. Something's thrown out there. You see something. You hear something. You look at something. All of a sudden, you've been baited. And the next thing you know, you come up to that nice policeman and he sticks a noose around your head or a needle in your, in your back. And the next thing you know, you're being drug away and put in that prison. And God says, you're in prison. And you know why you're in prison, folks? When it happens, when you've been baited, when you've been put in that, if you will, the sinful prison. Because we looked, we succumbed, we fell, we were baited, and we were dragged away. Same concept with a fish. The fish says, oh, it's dinner time. Unbeknownst to him, the hook is being set. Folks, I don't want you to walk out of here the same way you walked in. Between you and God, and we're going to close in a few minutes here, would you start to think about what are you struggling with right now? What are you struggling with? Hatred? Bitterness? Anger, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pornography, drinking, drugs. What is it? You say, Brother Rich, I don't want to go there. I know we don't want to go there, but we got to go there. 
and it's dragging you down and you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to get away from the hook and the hook is in your mouth and Satan keeps trying to set it and you keep trying to pull it out and you're ripping your face apart in the process. Your life may be in wreck and might be in shambles and you're like, what am I going to do? That's a great question. Believe it or not, I'm human too. There's things that I've gone through in my life over the years. Things that have been, boo, the bait goes out and the hook goes out and the, uh, the big carrot goes out for the bunny rabbit. And all of a sudden you go running the wrong direction and you start heading the wrong way. One of the most horrific things I had to deal with was a horrible situation that had happened to somebody else. And it just bothered me and bothered me. And I would think horrible things about what the person that hurt this other person deserved. And here's, here was the problem I dealt with for several years. Do you ever see an old-fashioned movie camera? You hold that big old giant movie camera up and sometimes you, they had the old-fashioned cranks. Of course, they got to where they were modernized. You got your cell phones that you hold up and now you take uh, the motion pictures, if you will. I take them all the time. I got, as you know, I put videos out every week. And here's what we do in our heads, folks. Here's the temptation. Think about what it is right now. And here's what we keep doing. We get that video out in our mind and we play it and 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 play it and, it and, it and we can't get rid of it. And every time we think, oh, i got to get rid of this thing. I shouldn't be thinking this. I shouldn't be going here. And it just keeps playing. It just keeps playing. And you're absolutely sometimes almost to the point of going crazy trying to stop it. Have you been there, friend? And I all of a sudden came on what's up on the screen. And I said, Lord, I need something from your word to get my mind to stop playing the movie. Finally, brethren, that's... Ladies and men, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I memorized that verse years ago as a teenager, young adult, when I was going through this motion picture that wouldn't go away and i said lord give me a verse that every time the movie camera starts to play every time i'm tortured by this thought i'd quote that verse folks let me just share this with you as we get to a close i know i need to shut down i talked to two people in the last two days and here's what they told me we we're sitting around a campfire and I asked them how they came to Christ. The first person said this. He said, Rich, he said, I, I, I started to read the Bible. He says, I, I, went to a, I went to a denominational church all my life. And he said, I started to read the Bible, and the Bible didn't match up with what I'd been taught. And all of a sudden, the, the Bible changed him to the point where he trusted Christ just by reading the Gospels. Nobody talked to him. Except, well, I, there were people that were in his life, they, they shared the gospel, and he's reading the Bible. The Bible is sharp. It's quick. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierced his heart. And he trusted Christ after reading the Bible. 
I talked to another individual. Folks, this is, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, there's a handful of people here and the next guy. He says, Brother Rich, he says, I, I started in Genesis and I began to read through the entire Bible. He said, I wanted to know who God was. He read all, and he's 40 years old at this point. He's reading through the entire Old Testament. He didn't find Jesus yet. He gets to the Gospels. And all of a sudden, he's reading the Gospels, and he's like, Whoa! I can't believe what's in here. And he finds Jesus in the Gospel. The Word of God changed his life. Folks, I'm telling you, I shouldn't keep going, but i got to say this. When I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior as a sophomore in high school, right after I got saved, I got this book, which I'd had on my shelf. I memorized, you know, in most churches, they, they, what they ask young people to do, just memorize the books of the Bible. Memorize the 66 books of the Bible in a row. Folks, not that that's wrong. It's a good thing, but that's not going to change your life, learning the titles. I'm for it because you ought to know where to find the books. After I got saved, I began to read this book cover to cover. I couldn't believe what was in it. I'd stay up as a high school student half the night reading my Bible. I was just amazed at what was in it. Folks, have you ever loved the Word of God that much? Have you memorized? Those of you that are struggling, put the Word of God in your heart. Then when desire or lust or our affections has conceived, it brings birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings birth. Fourth, death. Oof. Folks, do you know I love you? you know I care about you? I do. And you know what the best thing this little pastor can do? You see, you're not so little. You're right. <laughs> I'm a big guy. But I got a big heart too, I hope. You know what the best thing I can do for you right now is, now Christian is? Did you hear what I said this morning? You say, no, we heard what God's word said. Good. Because God's word makes it very clear. If you're struggling, if you're going through hard times, if you're being tempted, if you're struggling with those who have hurt you, and God says, listen, grab onto my word. Grab onto a verse like the one I read. Grab onto something. Just ask God. Find the verse. If you need one, see me. I'll, I'll give you something to memorize. Can you overcome temptation? Can you overcome temptation? Finally, I gave the gospel a little bit earlier in this service. He said, what's the gospel? The gospel is simply this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Sorry. I'm a little noisy at times. Yesterday, yesterday, my wife talked to someone about the gospel. A young person who had been looking, had been in church their whole life, and they heard it, and they heard it, and they heard the gospel every single week. And folks, I give the gospel every single week. I preach 90% to Christians, and we always give a little gospel. You know why? Because there's people sitting in here right now, and I have no idea who they are. If you died right now, you know. You might be a teenager. You might be a young person. You might be a senior citizen. And if you died right now, and you say, Brother Rich, I, 
yeah, I know the right words. I know what I'm supposed to say. I've been in church all my life. I know everything. I know the book. But my heart is empty. Have you received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? You see, we have what's known as cultural Christianity versus conversion Christianity today. I grew up in the church. I've heard the gospel all my life. And we hear and we become, it becomes our culture, but it doesn't become a conversion where we truly trust Jesus as our Savior. Are you, if you're living cultural Christianity, my dear friends, and never have trusted Christ, in all kindness, you're as lost as lost can be this morning. It's time to trust Jesus. It's time to take that free gift. Have you done that? Father, we got to close. And Father, thank you for these dear, dear folks that are here this morning and for the many that are from our group that are traveling in many different places this morning. And Father, I pray as we've gone through this such an important practical concept of being tempted and how to overcome these temptations, we've looked at the crowns, the things that you've promised to give us if we would serve you faithfully. Father, would you help each one of us to be committed to serving you, not simply to earn the crowns, but because we love you and love others, and we certainly want to build the church that your love is building. What do you need to do, Christian? What do you need to do this morning? Right there where you're seated, I'm not going to do a public invitation, but there's some of you, and I don't know who you are. Again, there's between you and God. You say, how did you know? How did you know what I did? I don't know, but God knows and you know. Right there where you're seated, it's time for you to turn over whatever that temptation is, whatever thing that you're ready to succumb to. Maybe you have succumbed to it, and you need to get right with God right now. Right there where you're seated, would you tell the Lord, I need to get right with you. Father, help me. I need help. I need your help. If you're still struggling, you can call me anytime and we'll help you work through it. If you're here this morning, whether you're watching on live stream or you're here in our auditorium this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you've heard the gospel. We're sinners. We've all we're all condemned because of our sin, but Jesus Christ loved us, came down from heaven, died on the cross for our sins, and simply God says, listen, will you stop trying to earn heaven on your, on your own and trust me, trust in Jesus, trust in his free gift, trust in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Would you really, are you willing to give your life to Jesus today? You say, Brother Rich, I am. We're going to say a prayer. The prayer won't save you, but your faith will. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But right now I'm trusting Jesus Christ who went down from heaven, came down from heaven, died on the cross, was buried, and three days rose again. Father, I believe that Jesus died for me, and I'm receiving his free gift of eternal salvation right this moment. Thank you for saving me. Father, we commit this day to you. We pray once again that you, can, that you would uh, seal all decisions being made as we speak. And all God's people said...